Welcome everybody in Palm Bay, the land, everybody watching at home. We're so glad you're there. Welcome to everybody here. Last night, people were coming in canoes, kayaks. It was a, a very different deal here uh, last night. So uh, some of you, no doubt, delayed. You say, you know what? They have a church service on Sunday. I think I'll wait for Sunday. Uh, but we're just, uh, we're very glad that you're here. And today we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you three really big questions. And they're questions that I hope you can answer. I would imagine they're questions that you've not thought a lot about. And so we're going we're gonna to chase those down. And at the end, we're going to give you a chance for an application. But I, I want to I uh, tell you what you did last week. Uh, had a small ask last week. We were putting a, a roof on a church building, church that we planted in uh, north, southeastern Africa, Tanzania. Years ago, they needed a roof, $850. I said, this one's going to be easy. You guys gave $3,850. So I thank you for that. And what we did, we sent an email to uh, the uh, the missionary that's doing the work. And we said, here's what we want to do. We'll pay for the roof. And he's going to get two other churches to match the 3000 And you're starting a, a Christian school in Zanzibar, which may be the most dangerous place for a Christian to be in the whole world. And uh, with our money, by the end of the year, we're going to have a school started on the island of Zanzibar. So thank you guys for your, for your faithfulness. Uh, this, one's a, this one's a little heavier. I'll just tell you a brief story. I'm on a, I go to Orlando one day. I'm flying home to St. Louis to see my mom and dad who are not doing well. And, and my Hebrew professor from college is on the same flight. And um, he was supposed to be here today, but his mother had a stroke, and, and he couldn't come. She's doing okay. But anyway, we sat down on the plane. I said, I said uh, Dr. Pabarkas, what are you doing now? He said, I'm planting churches in Russia. I said, well, tell me about it. This is the only time I've ever planted a church at 36,000 feet. And um, I said, well, how much does it talk? Is it going to cost? He's kind of, hum- like, well, like he's afraid to tell us, you know. And, Anyway, he goes, well, Joe, it, it's going to cost $12,000. And I said, $12,000 to plant a church. He said, yeah, we already got the land. We've got the pastor. He said, I got a church in St. Louis that will split it with you. I said, done. It's done. And uh, I'll show you some pictures. I will not try to. This is the name of the town. Feel free to pronounce that as you would like. Uh, 99,000 people live in this town, and there is no church. Of any kind, uh, there will be in two weeks. Uh, here's some of the, the lead people. Uh, you may have a, uh, your thoughts about what a Russian might look like. Looks a lot like us, um, except that it's really cold. It's uh, this is in northern Russia, and you can see pictures of the the, the core group that's going to be starting the church. So, out in the lobby, out at the uh, guest services, there's a, a box out there, and we'd like to raise six thousand dollars. Maybe you've got some Russian heritage. Maybe that goes in your bones. But just the fact that we have an open door to plant a church in Russia is a big deal. Would you agree with that? All right. So you do what God wants you to do. That's, um, that's out there. I also want to tell you that it's Made New Weekend. So if you need to be baptized, uh, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus, haven't been baptized, um, you, you haven't done either, uh, we'll lead you through the process at the end of the service or if you're watching online. 
Palm Bay to land, talk to your pastors. Uh, but ours here in Ormond is going to be at 6.30 at Andy Romano Park. Clear skies for the whole day, okay? So it, it, everything, last night we'd have just taken you out back. We didn't have to, we really wouldn't have had to do much. Uh, but it's a beautiful day, so uh, if, you want to get, uh, if you need to get baptized, uh, get down to Andy, Andy Romano tonight at 6.30. Okay. You know, probably growing up, everybody had a bunch of uh, board games in their home. And when I was a kid, you know, there's six months winners in Missouri. We got, we spent a lot of time playing board games. But as time goes on, the games start losing the pieces. Have you noticed that? The clue, the clue board's only got like two of the people and you've got, you've got a deck of cards that has 38 cards in it. But you never throw the deck away because you might find those missing 14 cards. And so every time you go to play, so my wife says to me the other day, we ought to play some board games. And we looked around and realized we'd gotten rid of all of them. We were literally clueless. I'm really sorry. It was really taking a risk to go there. Wait a minute, I think I have one more. Oh yeah, I got myself in big trouble. Sorry. <laughs> big questions. Walt Disney said, the way to get started is to stop talking and start doing. A.W. Tozier said, the key to prayer is praying. No class. The key to prayer is praying. Start talking to God, read your Bible, listen to God, pray some more, listen to God, talk to God. But the sermon title is when all has been said and done. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I'm not speaking really about this congregation, but if the shoe fits, you put it on. But I can tell you, hanging out with pastors, when all is said and done, most of the time, far more is said than is ever done. You get a whole lot of this in meetings. Oh, we're behind you. We're with you. We're with you. We're with you. We need to feed people. We need to help people. I say, great. We're going to have this event and we're going to feed people. And nobody comes. We're going to do this. We're going we're to plant a church in Russia. It's only $6,000. Are you with me? Oh, yeah, we're with you. Well, then we find out. But not here. I, I mean this sincerely. Not Tomoka. But maybe some of you. But in most churches, when all is said and done, far more gets said than done. And that's why the American church is in the mess it's in. Because we talk, 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 and then we don't do. We don't go and apply what we've learned. You know, the scripture is really clear. James says, real religion, take care of widows and orphans. Okay. Are we doing that? Am I doing that? That's pretty simple. Jesus said in Matthew 25, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, take care of the sick. We've had a lot of opportunities to do that. Give a glass of cold water to somebody who needs it. We did that a few weeks ago with water filters. And then Jesus said, go into the whole world and tell everybody about me. The measuring spots are really easy. And either we'll sit around and talk about those spots... Or we'll get up and do something about it. Again, Disney said, the best way to get something done is to quit talking and to get up and actually go do it. Here's the problem with the people of Israel during Isaiah's day. 
They'd already written God off. They made gods. All right, this fascinates me. It's in Isaiah and Jeremiah. You can read the same stories. He said, you take a stick and you cut it in half. You burn half of it and cook dinner. You take the second half and you make yourself a god. Now, I don't think a lot of that goes on here, although I know idol worship does take place in American culture. But most of us, we've made our idols out of other things. We've made our idols out of our homes, the neighborhood we live in, the cars we drive, uh, the position we have in society. Your idols can come in all kinds of forms, but as soon as an idol takes up residency in your heart, God is immediately moved off the throne. Something else has now replaced the living God. So we're going to read just a few verses, if you'll stand with me, and then we're going to ask three big questions, okay? So Isaiah 45, we're going to look at 15 and 16, and then we're going to go to the end of the chapter, if you're following along. Truly, you are a God who hides himself, O God and Savior of Israel. So Isaiah's admitting, I don't always understand what you're up to, because your people are kind of crazy. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgraced. They will go off into disgrace together. Turn to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Either that's true or God's a liar. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear. We'll just stop right there. You can be seated. So the three questions were right there. Here's the first question. And I don't even like the word. Will you be ashamed when you stand before God? Now I looked the word up three times this week because I didn't, I didn't like it. The word means guilt. It means to be humiliated. It means to be brought down. It means to be destroyed. Now, I'm guessing that somewhere in your life, somebody said, I'm ashamed of you. Now, there's two ways that comes. You're in a fight, and somebody says, they scream it at you. you I'm ashamed of you, or you ought to be ashamed of yourself, and you respond in kind. No, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. All right. That's not what I'm talking about, because that's a war. I'm talking about when you know, when you know, when your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, they look at you and say, you should be ashamed of yourself. I will tell you, there's still a hole in my heart. Because when I say that to you, I remember moments from my childhood, mostly from my teen years. I blocked out everything earlier. But mostly, and, and, and if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you, maybe you didn't have good parents. And I remember one night, I'm not going to tell you any details because you don't need to know. Um, but my mom had me dead to rights and I knew she had me dead to rights and she, you know what she did? She just asked questions. I wish she'd have punched me in the face. I could have handled it better. She just would say, well, Joe, what were you doing last night? Joe, who were you with last night? Joe, what time did you get home last night? She never directly confronted me. But with those three questions, I was about two, two inches tall. You might know what I'm talking about. 
Now, I want you to imagine standing before God in that state. Standing before God and Jesus says, I am ashamed of you. That's not the place you want to be, right? Please, Joe, tell me how I can know that God won't be ashamed of me. Okay, Luke 9, 26. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. So he's telling us, we got to get it outside of here. we got to get it outside of the church. If you're ashamed of who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for you, then he said, I will be ashamed of you in eternity. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Now, you know what Paul was getting when he said that? He was getting pummeled on every side by a Roman culture that was as perverted or more perverted than the culture you and I live in today. Abortion was rampant. Homosexuality was rampant. Sexuality was rampant. You name it, they were drinking it, drugging it, and doing it. And Paul writes the first 15 verses of Romans to excoriate the Roman culture. And then he says, just for the record, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It means when you follow Jesus, you're going to stand out. You can't help but stand out. And you can expect the world to hate you. If the world's not hating you, you're probably not doing this right. Because if you stand for Jesus, some place, some way that you stand is going to upset people. My question today, are you going to be ashamed when you stand in front of Jesus? If the answer right now is yes, then do something about it. If you've not accepted Jesus, today's the day. You need to make him the Lord of your life, accept Jesus, repent of your sins, be baptized. Then you get that done today so that that shame is washed away. See... I don't know if you, you, I'm sure most people have seen some kind of movie about Jesus' life. And, and you know, the, the, the best one was with the one that Mel Gibson did. And they did their best to portray it. But you can only go so far with a film before everybody loses it. And just for the record, Jesus was naked hanging on the cross. Because the Romans' purpose was to kill you, to kill you slowly... And to make as much pain as possible and to absolutely humiliate you. Because they crucified you along the main highway and they left your body up there until it rotted off the cross. So that everybody that walked by could smell it, see it, and it would be humiliation for you and your family. And everybody would think ten times before they messed with Rome ever again. Jesus took our shame, folks. Do you understand that? He didn't just take your sin. When you and I accepted Jesus, he didn't just take away our sin. He took away our shame. The things that we would stand before God and God say, Joe, did you do this? And did you do this? Or maybe I'm having to watch a video of it. And how that would feel before God. Jesus died to take away your shame. Surely somebody can get excited about that. Jesus died to take away your shame. Anybody here been through that? That's good news. I don't want to stand before God with my head held down. I do want to be there with my face to the ground. But can you imagine? 
Here I am, 58 years old, and I still remember a sentence my mother said to me when I was 15 years old. What would it feel like to have the creator of the universe speak that way? The Archbishop of San Francisco, finally, finally somebody speaking out. The Archbishop of San Francisco said, you cannot be a Catholic and believe in abortion. Well, there's some guts. Would you agree with that? How can you say you're a believer and then be okay with destroying children? By the way, we've got a petition out in the lobby you can sign. We're trying to get a, uh, um, an amendment on the ballot here in Florida uh, so the Amer uh, Floridians can vote on on the issue of abortion rather than things being done by divine fiat. So if you want to help with that, you can sign up. But, but let me show you. Listen, and I'm not minimizing the COVID situation. It's been, it's been tough. I mean... I don't think anybody here hasn't been hit. Your family's gotten sick. I know people that have died. I've got friends on ventilators right now. It's a disaster. I'm not minimizing that. All right. The flu or car wrecks or suicides or anything else. But I just want to show you this map. This is COVID deaths. This is abortion deaths in the last year. This one's a national tragedy. This one your tax dollars pay for. All right. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Are we going to stand up or are we going to just blend in? Listen, it's okay. I don't have to be popular. You don't have to like me. But God's going to hold me accountable for what I teach you. So I don't want to be ashamed before Jesus. I don't want you to be ashamed before Jesus. So we need to read our Bible. This is why I tell you, don't listen to preachers. Listen to your word. I got sent a... A message this morning. I listened to a guy's sermon. It was the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Basically, he took a verse and said, this is what it doesn't say. And I, for the life of me, how you benefit by not preaching the gospel as a preacher is beyond my understanding. Listen, the Bible is very clear about Jesus, about life, about sexuality. But if you don't read it, if you only listen to men, men will tell you what you want to hear. God will tell you what you need to hear. There is a big difference in that, in that statement. Now, where else do we want to go? All right, let's, let's move on. So, will I be ashamed? We'll come back to that question at the end. Second question is, will I be saved? He said, I will shame all of those who worship idols, and I will save all of those who believe in me. So will I be saved? Well, you're like, Joe, that, that's a simple question. It is. It really is. But I'll end up sitting at the deathbeds of a bunch of you, and I always, you know, ask the questions, anything you need to do, you know, I know you've accepted Jesus, anything you want to get out, get cleared up, get, you know, just whatever, right? And people are like, man, I hope I'm there. I hope I've done enough. No, you haven't. Never was about doing that. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. We give and we serve and we live for Jesus because he paid the price. And yet we've got a world that's going to hell saying, oh, everybody goes to heaven. And I got a church full of Christians that are not sure if they're going to heaven. Are you saved? Well, have you accepted Jesus as your savior? Now, let me explain. Let me explain that this is where you get lost. Okay. 
You accept Jesus as Lord. Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. You are the Son of God. You're the Savior of the world. You rose from the dead. And I want that. I want to be saved. You accept Jesus. I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn and walk the other way. That's a process, but I'm making a statement. I'm going to be baptized. There's a point in time when you come up out of that water where you are now in connection with Jesus' blood, right? In fact, in, if, you are, if you go to a Jewish synagogue, the process is the same. When you get, quote, baptized, they don't use that word, but when you go under the water, they literally believe your blood changes and you become Jewish. Well, that is what the Bible says about Christianity. When you go under the water, your blood changes and you become like Jesus. Yeah, Joe, but you should have heard how I treated my wife last week. You should have heard what came out of my heart. Two different words, all right? Write this down, then you can take a nap. The word justification is a point in time. I accepted Jesus, I repented of my sins, I'm committed to following him. Done. Saved. I had a bad Wednesday. I did something really stupid. Am I saved? That's sanctification. Sanctification is a process. Sanctification will be going on until the day you die. When you die, your sanctification process will be over because then you will be like Jesus. Are you with me? But justification happens when you accept Jesus. So am I saved? Only you can answer that question. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we're saved by grace through faith. How am I saved? Grace, Jesus on the cross, my faith. What is my faith step? To believe, to repent, to be baptized. Those are the faith I, I'm doing what the Bible tells me to do. I am saved by His grace through my faith. So that I can't boast about it. I can't go around saying, look at what I've done. What other verse? We have? There's another verse there in there. We got, ah yes, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is what? Wages of sin is a bad day. Wages of sin is purgatory. No. Wages of sin is spiritual death. But... The gift of God, the grace of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The word, the word that is used there, to be saved, it's not the word that is normally used there. The word means to be extricated. It means that you have been let out of a prison cell. So I don't know what's got you locked up today. Your mouth? Your addiction? Your sexual problems? You cheat, don't tell the truth. I don't know what's got you locked up. But what Jesus said is my saved people. He said, I will come and I will open the door. I will liberate you. While one group is being shamed, the other group will be liberated. What's that word mean? To be set free. To be set free. Because... If you're walking around going, well, I, I'm trying to be good. I, I just hope I make it. Well, that's crazy. No, I am saved. I've already made it. 
And now that I know I'm going to heaven, man, what joy I can have. Changes my singing, changes my attitude toward worship, changes my attitude toward giving. Because it's not like I'm hoping to make it, I'm already in. I'm in with a bad Wednesday included. Because you can't help that. Except we try to make those Wednesdays further and further apart, right? That's what Christianity is. You're not perfect and you never will be perfect. The sanctification process is forever. The justification process, when you and Jesus connect, it is a done deal. So you only have to answer the question, have I accepted Jesus? Then I skip down to the last part. And that is, will you kneel before God? Now usually... This verse is quoted from Philippians chapter 2 when Paul said, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But Isaiah wrote it first. This is God's word from Isaiah. That when Messiah comes, again, John's looking, or Isaiah's looking 700 years in the future. But it says, when Messiah comes, every knee will bow. And you know what? What you kneel to is what your God is. Daniel chapter 3. You, you, well, let's go, let's go to North Korea first. Right? You know, there's a giant statue there of what, whatever his name, King, Kim Sing Young, whatever his name is. I don't know. doesn't matter. Build a giant statue. It looks almost identical to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar built of himself 3,000 years ago in Babylon. And every time a North Korean citizen goes by that statue, guess what he has to do? He has to bow because he believes himself to be God. Now listen to me. Anything you bow to, that can be physically... It can also be, look at your checkbook. You can find out who you bow to. Look at your schedule. Look at your calendar. You can find out who you bow to. It's not all that difficult. But he says, the day will come when every knee will bow to Jesus. And when that happens, one of two things takes place. That knee bowing will either be to your shame or to your salvation. So I ask you, have you bowed the knee to Jesus? I know people that have accepted Jesus, but they've not bowed the knee. They've not made Jesus the Lord of their life. It's just an add-on. It's a game. Church, Christianity, it's just like playing clue or risk. You come in, you put in your time, and then when it's all over, you put the pieces back in the box, and then you go live how you want to live. Do you know the average American, I'll just give you the statistic, the average American that is sold out for Jesus and sold out for church comes to church 1.9 times a month. So, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sundays, special meetings, whatever, the average Christian is getting less than two hours of any connection with God throughout their week. And we wonder why our culture is where it is. Because nobody's reading the Bible, everybody's feeling, everybody's thinking, but nobody's reading the Word of God for themselves. Do you know that the AMA, now think about this, the AMA, the American Medical Association, made a recommendation this week that we no longer put male or female on birth certificates because we don't know how the people are going to grow up. Now I'm going to help you because I grew up in the country. I'll give you a dozen roosters and you see how many eggs you can get. 
And these are the people that are saying to me, trust science? We don't know. We can't tell when they're born what sex they're going to be. That same problem in Rome, guys. Nothing's changed. It's exactly the same. I want to finish with a quote from Hemingway. Hemingway said, I, he, you know, he was a tremendous writer, obviously, lots of books, lots of, lots of other stories. But he said, uh, he said, critics are the people that watch the battle take place, and when the battle's all over, they come down and kill the survivors. And I feel like sometimes that's what we do. When all is said and done, we said, I, I didn't think that'd work anyway. That's why I didn't help. I didn't think we'd be able to do that. Instead of saying, no, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of something that's great. So when you came in, you were given a little wood post, wooden postcard. Would you take that out right now? Now this is, this is going to be a little different. Our creative team came up with this and we discussed what we would do with it. At one point we were going to have trash cans up front. Um, but I don't think the process can happen that fast. So you can write on this anything you want, but here's what I'm going to ask. Maybe you're sitting with a husband, your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe you're sitting with a friend. Nobody sees this. Nobody sees this. You and Jesus, okay? This is you and Jesus. Maybe it's a prayer you write, but we, it's made out of wood to represent the wooden idols. Now, your idol may not be made out of wood. Yours might be greenbacks. Yours might be metal. Yours might be brick. But I want you to write your idols down. Write a prayer down. God, how am I going to deal with this? How do I put you back on the throne instead of all this other stuff that I've got in my life? I don't know what you need to write on there. But we're going to give you a few minutes. You can go ahead and start writing. And... Then what I'm going to ask you to do, stick it in your pocket. Take a look at it sometime this week, next two weeks. Pray about it. Some addiction that you need to break. And when you have gotten where you need to get, then you get rid of this. Throw it away. I think a shredder, a good shredder, will handle this. But I'm a tremendous fan of fire. All right? Maybe that's just a guy thing, but I like fire. Take it out in a fire pit, not in the house, preferably. Go out to a fire pit. Go out to a fire pit and have one last read, one last prayer. Again, by yourself. Put that thing in there and watch it burn. And turn those things over to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we've asked some big questions today. And we pray that as the body of Christ, we would take them head on. That we would listen to your word. We would... Take time right now just to write, to process the emotions. What am I ashamed of? What needs to go? What am I bowing to? Those of you watching at home, listen, you're not exempt. Get something out. Rip off a corner of a cardboard box. Get a piece of paper. Doesn't matter. And Lord, this week we're going to give this to you. 
And the next time we talk about when all is said and done, we're going to be more focused on getting it done. In Jesus' name.